It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome on into The Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. The rest of October, which is only a few more days, is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I want to talk today with someone who has been through the diagnosis of breast cancer firsthand and someone who is a dear, dear mentor of mine. Please welcome Rebecca Cressman. Hi, Lindsay. Good Hi, Rebecca. morning. How are you? So here we're talking about breast cancer. And five months ago, we had no idea that we'd be talking about that together from the viewpoint of it being me. Right. right? Yes. Yeah. Because you and I have known each other for a long time. Yes. We're colleagues, of course, Rebecca Cressman from FM 100.3. And... Um, yeah, uh, you've always been a strong advocate for getting your mammograms. You've been an advocate for women with breast cancer. You've hosted the walk, you know, yes. the Susan G. Komen walk. We, years ago, we had what was called the Race for the Cure. Right, right. And I was the honorary race chair because it was very personal for me, having lost my mother to breast cancer, my grandmother to breast cancer, my great-grandmother uh, to breast cancer. So for me at that point was hey, this is something we as women need to get more knowledge about, not necessarily be afraid of the monster in the next room, just gain the knowledge so that we can take the steps we need to to do to find it early when we can. And of course, to understand how important support is for those who are currently or, you know, patients or survivors, no matter whether they're stage one, two, three or four, everybody needs help. Yeah, yeah, but now it's you. Yeah, it's me. I mean, now it's Mm -hmm. you. I mean, how, how was that for you? Being you now versus you just kind of hosting it for everyone else who is going to. I, I think it. it's interesting is that um, by being so involved in advocacy um, and in, in, in education, talking about it on air and, and, and uh, visiting meetings, right, where survivors were um, all those years, 12 years, it gave me knowledge and information that I needed to watch my breasts, right? That feels so awkward in some ways to say, but just like I needed to watch my other parts of my body for health, I needed to learn what could I do to make sure I'm taking care of that. So I began mammograms at the age of 35. And um, what's what was interesting is it's, it wasn't inevitable for me. Sure. Um, only 10% of those of us who are diagnosed with breast cancer are diagnosed because there's a family history connection. Okay, so it wasn't inevitable for me just because it was in my family history. Sure. I don't carry the gene, right? Right. All right. Been tested for that, um, but it did feel like I knew to watch for it. So the shock was still there. It was a reality. Like, oh no, uh, I, this is scary. But there was some preparation because I knew at some point in our lives, one in eight women will have breast cancer. So I knew it was a possibility. Yeah. So it it almost felt like, oh, you were watching for this. And now it's here. And in case people don't know, you have been diagnosed with breast cancer. I don't know if I mentioned that at the top of the show, which is why you're here. Stage 2B is that, and, and typically they divide stages into stage 0, which means that you're finding um, breast cancer cells while they're still in situ, still in place. They haven't exited like your lobes or exited your milk ducts yet. So then stage 1 is invasive, right? Typically, that means that it has climbed out of its original space and climbed into another 
space, so sure. maybe out of the milk duct into the breast tissue. And stage 2B is um, it's out, there's a certain size of the tumor, and it's either a slightly larger tumor or it's also in your lymph nodes. And I'm stage 2B because the tumor size was just about two centimeters, a little slightly larger than that, and in my lymph nodes. So that put me at that staging. Is that still relatively early to catch it? Yes. Okay. So they consider stage 0, stage 1, and stage 2 early breast cancer. Um, it is still something to recognize it as cancer and that it is um, something that needs to be addressed and treated. In my opinion, I, I would, it was important to me to choose aggressive treatment. Um, but I believe that the prognosis, I mean, people are like, wow, um, 80 to 85% chance that this is, you know, that I'm going to survive this and there's 15% chance that it will be something that will be metastasizing and that I'll have to deal with throughout the rest of my life. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, do you put stock in the 85 or you put stock in the 15? Because I think I, it would be hard, you know, getting that diagnosis. Well, you know, for me, and I hope for those of you who might be oncologists or um, breast cancer specialists or researchers, if I get something wrong, please forgive me. This is just from the information I've garnered throughout uh, my journey. Uh, for me, I believe that um, while getting radiation, so for, I, I had the surgery to remove the tumor and a portion of my breast and to remove some of those um, lymph nodes. Um, the second, so that's the first thing we do, get it out of your body. Sure. Uh, number two, the second thing was um, to look at the tumor and look at the lymph nodes to see, you know, how far has it progressed? Where is it? Um, the third step was then to do what now do we do from that pathology? Sure. So for me, because the cancer had spread into the lymph nodes and it had spread into my blood vessel system, the it's called lymphovascular invasion, um, we chose to add chemotherapy mm. Um, because there's a chance that isolated tumor cells were shed off from that original tumor and might be floating elsewhere, yeah. accessed out of the lymph nodes and out of the blood vessels. So chemotherapy, its job is to seek and destroy. Right. right? And right. Then, then the next stage will be radiation. And I'm ma- mentioning all of that. And then I'll take pills um, is because that should help take that 85% prognosis and bump it up to 90 or so. So yeah. doing everything I can to in- decrease the likelihood that it will metastasize and and, um, and be something that is life limiting. But the ke- chemo cannot be an enjoyable process. And you sit in front of me today, which you look gorgeous, by the way, but you have oh, so nice. lost your hair. Uh, yeah, bald. It. yeah, But that's a whole identity check. Sure. I mean, I, it's like, you know, Star Trek kind of a thing. Um, you know, I have. It's also painful because I have memories of my mother um, when she was so very weak and and bald. And and so when I look in the mirror now, I, I don't spend a lot of time before you know take a shower, hop out, ah, and uh, you know slip on a beanie on my head, then come back uh, because it is still a shock. It's only been about a month since I lost all my hair. Well, I I can only and imagine. I have a wig on. That's why you're saying it looks okay. No. I've got a great human hair wig from Creative Wigs. I love you guys. I'm sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Huge shout out to them. I'm sure you would look stunning even without the hair. But I can only imagine, yeah, what it's like to look in the mirror. And and yeah, even though, sure, we shouldn't put stock in what we look like. Sure, it's not who you are. It is certainly not who you are. But it is a piece of you, right, that is now a loss. Yeah, it is a loss. And in, in much of life, we don't have 
control of. Some of it we do. Um, so when you do get a diagnosis of a threatening illness like this, you control what you can. And then you also understand, almost like that serenity prayer, that there's some things God grant me the ability, right, to understand that there's some things I can't, I can't quote it, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, control. Sure. And, and so I do all that I can um, to give myself the feeling of empowerment, choose aggressive treatment, take care of myself, surround myself. Um, but but I can't control the hair loss that comes with chemo. Sure. I can't control that you get bloated and, um, you know, you have other side effects, okay, painful things that, that are part of the chemo. I can't, can't manage that. And in some ways, um, I have to let, accept that that's part of healing. Part of, part of going through the destruction of these difficult things in your life, losing strength, is part of also the, the healing process. I got to do this to be able to have my body restored to health. And yes. so it's part of the overall trying to be optimistic yeah. that this is part of that dip, you know? Well, I, I love that you're taking control of what you can control. Mm-hmm. We're talking, of course, with Rebecca, Rebecca Cressman of FM 100.3 about her breast cancer diagnosis. This really doesn't have much to do with motherhood other than you're my dear friend. Oh, you are a mother. But it does. But it does because it we does. are women and yes. we have needs that we need to talk about. So we're going to talk about more when we come back on The Mom Show. You joined The Mom Show. Being a mom can be tough sometimes. We try to make it easier. Here's Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. We are talking with Rebecca Cressman, of course, of our sister station, FM 100.3. Rebecca, first and foremost, how are you? I'm okay. Yeah. I'm halfway through chemo, <laughs> which is, it's so interesting to be diagnosed and getting active treatment during Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, it adds weight. It's also the month my mom lost her life to breast cancer. Mm. Um, it, it's just a... Uh, 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 I don't want to say serendipity, right? Maybe sure. it's irony, but I'm doing okay. Just uh, tired and fatigued. Yeah. Um, trying to balance work with also taking time off after chemo treatment. So, um, you know, there's some life balance in there as I'm trying to heal. Yeah. But overall, okay. Okay. Thank I, you for that. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, of course, if you hadn't heard, Rebecca has been diagnosed with stage two breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, walk me through first how you found it, how you discovered it, and then what it was like when you officially got the diagnosis. All right. Um, So I have been getting um, annual mammograms since I was 35 because of my family history. And I'm always encouraging women. In fact, I find myself bringing this up all the time to women. Have you had your mammogram? And they, uh, you know, we need to be able to ask those questions because the blessing of having screenings like the 3D mammograms or the mammograms or MRIs or ultrasounds is that they can find um, breast cancer before we can see it in our body, before we can touch it. Sure. And the reason why that's important is it's most treatable um, when when that happens. So for me, I went in for my annual mammogram. It had been about 16 months instead of 12 months uh, between Life Gets Busy. And uh, I regret that. I wish I had been in at 12 months instead Mm -hmm. of 16 months. I went in for my annual mammogram. This time I was really excited because uh, I had a 3D mammo at Intermountain Healthcare's uh, Peterson Tower in Provo. They had a new thing with new imaging. I was like, right on, I've wanted 3D. And then in the mail, I get, I open up the paper and it says... Um, we need you to come back. We want you to call us um, quickly. Um, there is, I, I can't, you know, verbatim, but it just said, um, it looks, we look, it looks like we've found architectural distortion with associated microcalcifications. You're like, what? I've been called back before 
but not with the, that phraseology. And is that not something they give you a phone call about or they just send you a no, letter? No, because um, you're not really officially diagnosed with breast cancer until a laboratory looks at your cells. But they can identify things that look like could possibly be cancer. So they're not going to tell you first, sure. hey, this is possibly cancer. They're going to first bring you back and go, let's make sure our imaging was correct. Okay. Right? But with the wording architectural distortion with associated microcalcifications, I learned very quickly that's different. In other words, they're seeing tissue that has changed architecturally in my breasts. Not good. Mm. Um, it had associated microcalcifications. In other words, little teeny scar, what could have been scar tissue, little teeny dots uh, in that same area. That's a, a telltale sign of potential carcinoma. So I, my brain went, whoa, this is something else. Then um, I went within a few days to go get the up-close 3D mammal. They, they, I can't remember the terminology, but they bring in and go, okay, we're going to zoom in. Mm-hmm. on. Let's make sure what we see is what we thought we saw. And so I was standing there and had a great technician, and she was so kind and thoughtful, but very informative. Like, you know why you're here? We're a little concerned. Yes, I'm concerned. She took that. She said, let's take a look at the mammo you had just recently, and I want you to see that compared to years past. Do you want to do that? And so very clearly, as we pulled up my last mammogram with my current, I could see mm-hmm. a jiggity-jaggedy growth right in my left breast. I'm like, okay. So she said, this is what we're going to get a close-up of. They get a close-up. And she said, if we have more questions, the radiologist will have you just stay right here and we'll get an ultrasound. It wasn't five minutes where they said, now we're going to take you right down to get an ultrasound. So I'm laying on the table, an incredible ultrasound technician, um, very knowledgeable, has been doing it for decades, said, I said, hey, do you mind turning the monitor towards me? I've done a lot of advocacy for breast cancer, and I'm curious to see what it looks like. Sure. She turns it. And in um, on a mammogram, the if you have a tumor, typically it shows up white, the same color as fibrous tissue. So for those of us women who have dense fibrous breasts, um, it's harder to find those tumors because they're the same color. Not with the ultrasound. With the ultrasound, it's a ne- almost like a negative image. So I could see um, clearly the dark, ziggity, zaggity image of what looked to be a tumor. Um, and the associated lights of the microcalcifications. So she's, so I said, ooh, that doesn't look good. Uh, I was hoping for a little ball, maybe, you know, like a yeah. cyst. And she said, yeah, um, obviously we'll probably have the radiologist come in. He came in and said, we're going to, he was very stern, and well, not stern, but just serious. Yeah. He said, we're going to need to do a core biopsy right now. So at that point, um, they brought in a big needle, and took three pieces out of the inserted into the breast, following the ultrasound monitor along. So they're getting the tumor and clip three different pieces and put those in a little tube and away it goes. And they said it would be about three days before I heard back. But for me, I was at work preparing to do an interview when I got the phone call 24 hours later saying Mm -hmm. it's cancer. So that was extraordinarily emotional for me to go, it's real what I was afraid of. And then at that point, I the difficult part of that, and this was in June, was how do I tell my family to prepare them because they'll have some trauma. They know that it's been, you know, it's it, it, it can be very serious that it's taken their grandma's life. How can I lessen that trauma for them, let them know the hope that's involved? And I drove home and told my husband, and then we called our kids. 
What's interesting is your first thought after you get this diagnosis is not about, am I going to die? It's how do I tell my family? <laughs> right. That's why I used to say it, it was very related to motherhood. Well, yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. Like yeah, that, yeah. that's that may not be my first thought. I mean, your thoughts go to your own mortality, right? And your own, like, have, you know, just all of that when you hear the word cancer, right? Right. And and your thought was, how do I tell them? How do I tell them? How do I, um, how do I let them know, um, that we could be okay, um, so that they don't go from zero to a hundred and and fear loss. Yeah. And I and I and I think fears and anxieties are so very legitimate when it's around cancer or anything else, but for me, information helps temper fear. Sure. So I wanted to make sure I could say to them, and at that point, I didn't know it was 2B. I thought is possibly stage one, which could be 95%, right? right so I'm right. like, hey, this is serious. I'm emotional. I broke down crying when I did tell one of my sons who lived out of state. And, um, and, and I had to kind of like catch my breath, but said, I kept trying to focus on there's so much even in the later stages of stage three or so, we've come up with so much research mm-hmm. and new treatments that we we live longer. It might be a little harder because you have to go through some difficult treatments to get there. But boy, I'm, we're all in a better place now in 2019 than we were in 2010, than we were back in 2000, when 90s and 80s, et cetera. But yes, my my obviously my first thought was these beautiful children that, that I bore, you know, love yeah. them, love yeah. them. Rebecca Cressman, of course, from our sister station, FM 100.3. You can hear her every weekday from uh, 10 to 3 still? Mm-hmm. Well, 10 during to 10 to 2 right yeah. now, during treatments, I, I needed to shorten that just so I could go up and get chemo or, or you know, doctor's appointments along yeah. the way. And, and I do take a week off after each chemo treatment because it's hard to walk the first few days. And then I'm a little mentally foggy and nauseous. And then I start to recover on day 7 or day 8. We're talking, of course, about her breast cancer diagnosis. She's so real and open and willing to share all the details of it, which I can only say is going to help other people. So let's take a break. We'll have more with Rebecca when we come back on The Mom Show. It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning (laughs) and then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. If you hadn't heard, one of our colleagues here at FM 100.3 uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer a couple of months ago, and October being Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I have brought in Rebecca Cressman to talk about her experience, and she's been so real and open to talk about this in in thought of helping other people. That's the kind of person she is, people. Mm. Rebecca, thank you for being here. You're nice to say that. And, and <laughs> it's true. Um, it, it is absolutely It was true before the diagnosis. Oh, thank you. It, it it is for me, to me, when you share something that's difficult and you say it's okay to have fear, it's okay to have anxiety, it's okay for you to to do this and we can do hard things and we can we can go through this together. The, the, to me, it adds meaning to the experience. In other words, if I can encourage a woman that has not had a mammogram to go get hers, if I can help someone who's going through breast cancer um, not feel alone because we've we've connected now, um, 
then it, it, it gives meaning. And, and to me, that's what our life is all about is, yes, we want our own independent individual growth, right? But, oh, it adds meaning when we can help other people. Yeah. And, and so that's been part of the journey. Yes, Because I imagine it could feel, you know, I just want to stay small and I want to hide this and I don't want to talk about it and it's hard. And, I and just... no judgment if somebody wants to handle it that way because we all handle things differently. Sure. But being someone who has been on radio and television for a number of decades, um, it would feel for me, um, I don't want to say disingenuous, but if I have an opportunity and tools to say, hey, we all need to learn a little bit more about our own personal health and, and put our health, make it a priority. We're 48th in the nation when it comes to mammogram screenings. Mm. So, I, in Utah? In Utah. Oh, wow. Yes. We're not getting them. Yeah. So that's the need. In other words, there are things and barriers, and maybe we can talk about that in a few minutes, but there are barriers that are, and it's not insurance. It's not, it's not because we, we're, we're lacking that. There, right, right. So to me, if I can say, listen, it, please go get it. It takes 30 minutes, and you could find you could get a baseline for your breast health so you know what it looks like, your breast tissue, and, and then moving forward, you'll have more information. Or you could be someone who finds breast cancer early, and we could just treat it simply, and then it could be done for you. Well, let's talk about this now. We had talked okay. about – I do want to talk about your family's reaction sure. and how mm-hmm. they, they um, reacted to you sharing the news that you have stage 2 breast cancer. But I am, full disclosure, 36, mm-hmm. and I have never had a mammogram. But I am creeping up on that that forty year old right mm-hmm. where they say every year women every year after forty get a mammogram once a year, and I don't I'm not fully aware of my family history of it, but in my you know immediate family I can't think of anyone who you know my grandma my mom that's a great thing yeah mm-hmm. so I, I I don't know if I'm at quote unquote high risk. I don't know if I'm not at risk. I guess this is going to sound like a silly question, but can breast cancer just develop in someone like me who doesn't have, and how does that happen? And it's just, it's part of the human body. And and one of the the things that we are trying to work on is because, and there's some wonderful support groups for young survivors uh, as well, but um, all it is, is when the the normal healthy breast um, cells um, go haywire, begin Mm -hmm. to multiply, and it can happen at at any age it more more likely it it's more likely to happen to women when they are older however it can happen in a woman who is 17 a woman who's 28 a woman who's 32 it's just statistically much more common to happen in women because they have breasts sure. to occur beyond the age of 40 the older you get the 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 higher uh, the risk factor we've also learned that women with denser breast tissue have a higher risk for some reason it's harder to find the tumors and a little bit higher um, rate of developing abnormal cells. So Mm -hmm. it can happen in all of us, which is where I go back and say, okay, so you're 36. The most important thing for a woman in her teens and 20s and 30s is to do self-exams so you know what your breasts should feel like, Mm. okay, when they're healthy because everybody's tissue is different. So just know what it's like so that if there is something that signals before you're at the age to typically get a mammogram, you can go assertively to the doctor and say, I feel something weird. Yeah. Help me with this instead of of second-guessing yourself. Sure. All right. So so there's that part of it. Number two, um, if you have something that is changing in your breast 
you have the right to ask for screening to say that you we can lean forward and say this wasn't here six months ago. Yeah. Help me with this. If you have family history, you will start earlier. Yeah. But again, 90 percent of the women who get breast cancer, it's just because they're women. And because they have breast tissue wow. and because something abnormally occurred, it's not necessarily because of something they've done lifestyle, although we do know that smoking and that obesity, there are a few other things that might um, raise the risk. Okay. Um, so you you do want to have a healthy lifestyle to lower that risk, but you could be a marathon runner and and it could, ha- you know, who's healthy eating, everything clean, and it could just, the cells could just abnormally form. Yeah. And I love how you're talking about a baseline knowledge of your health, right? Mm-hmm. You knew that because you started mammograms at 35. Mm-hmm. And so you knew what your breast was supposed to look like. And I and, saw it changing yeah. in mammograms. And then when mm-hmm. you saw it, yeah, changing, it was a red flag for you. I don't think I would know that information. Of course you would because you yeah. haven't had your first mammogram. But right. when you're 40 and you do get your first, you're going to be told, especially there's a new state law in Utah that mandates saying, hey, if you have dense breast tissue, you'll know that and you'll be like, okay, I got to be extra vigilant. I don't want to skip one year of my mammograms, mm. right? Yeah. And and if you don't have that, I don't want you to skip a year either. Right. But if you go two years, that's the max that right. I, I would say because you do want to have the ability for those technicians to and radiologists to look at one year's mammogram on a screen, screen and the next year's and go, oh, we're seeing distortion changes in the tissue. Let's bring her back and take a closer look at this. And don't you think a lot of us put off going to the doctor for whatever reason? Yeah, but but the one thing I've said this, um, and I'll share again, is typically a a, a woman, and let's say she's married and or has a partner or has children, and she's a caregiver. If that person they love is showing a high fever and is showing serious health, she would not think twice about putting them in the car and driving them to the ER or the Instacare. Absolutely. And that is not a quick experience, right? Right. (laughs) A mammogram takes 30 minutes. So you have to reverse that and say, my life has, as a woman with or aside from being a caregiver, my life has value to my coworkers, to my neighbors, to my friends, to my loved ones. I am worth 30 minutes to go get that screening because then I'm empowered with the information medical practitioners have it. And we have the second lowest screening rate in the country. We have women. Some of them I've heard have said, you know, we have a lot of women with implants. They're afraid they're going to squish them. No, you just let the mammogram technician know I have implants. Mm -hmm. You can safely get a mammogram. Why do you Mm -hmm. think our numbers are so low here in Utah for getting screened for? I think we're busy. Yeah. I think we underestimate our risk. Um, I think that once we started hearing, oh, there is a link between family history and mammograms for women who don't have a family history, they're thinking, I'm healthy. Sure. It's going to be okay. Just having breasts and being a woman. That's, there you go. That's a great, that, yeah, that's, that's a great thing to remind people yeah, of. That's, that's, yeah. that's your risk factor yeah. is right there. It isn't necessarily about your overall health. 90% of us who are diagnosed with breast cancer, no family history. So we misunderstand. Um, I also think we're busy. We, we put it aside, right, rather than there's also been um, conflicting information. Years ago, they were like every year, and then somebody else came out and said, wait a minute, maybe you can go every two or three years. And so it's a, a little bungled. And, and I am just saying that the specialists that I work with at Huntsman and, you know, other cancer society, you know, research facilities um, will say, get it every year. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's just 
you know. Well, it's the biggest takeaway from your experience right now, in my opinion, that screening is vital. Life-saving. If if I would have waited six months, it's possible that it would have... I, I would have been dealing because it starts to divide a little bit more quickly as yeah, time goes on, yeah. right? Starts shedding more tumor cells that had already begun to shed in 16 months into my lymph nodes and invade and get out of one of my lymph nodes. Right. So timing is important. Fear is another reason. Lindsay, sometimes we're afraid, you know, and what we need to know is is turn it and go, um, I don't have to be afraid if I'm driving my own healthcare, if I'm taking care of myself, because there's treatments available that can help me. And early, catching it early is like the biggest thing you can do for yourself. Exactly. And your family and your loved ones yeah. and your coworkers and you as a woman, you are important enough in this world to make that a priority. And and I also just want to say that Huntsman Cancer Hospital has been f- extraordinary yeah. with me. So yeah. I'm so appreciative of them. Rebecca Cressman, of course, from FM 100.3, talking to us about her breast cancer diagnosis a few months back. We'll take a break. One more segment with Rebecca when we come back. Back inside the Mom Show. Dads are welcome, but moms come here to be heard. We're with Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show. Thank you for joining us. I have loved our conversation today with Rebecca Cressman of our sister station, FM 100.3. She was recently diagnosed with breast cancer, and she has been so open and so real. And she's always been an advocate for breast cancer and getting mammograms. But now that she has her own diagnosis, it's taken on a whole new level. And sharing your story, Rebecca, has... Just, I want to go get a mammogram right this second. (laughs) You're almost there. You're almost at 40. At 40, I will get one. Unless you you have, you know, I met a beautiful woman who had, she felt like something was wrong and she was 38 and she waited. And then at 42, it's more advanced. Mm. So, you know, if, if you're under 40 and you're feeling something, please get in within the same week. Yeah. So important. And I love you, Lindsay. I Thank lo- you for having me. I love you, too. Thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. Um, we've worked together for a long time. This diagnosis, when I saw it initially on social media, I my heart just like sank for a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, I, I'm sure you have received a lot of love and support. Oh, it's been extraordinary. Yeah. Talk to me about that as far as how well, your friends and family have come out of the woodwork here. Yeah. You know, so if, if you do- draw these little diagrams, right, you know. I almost think of a fried egg. So my my little inner circle, my incredible husband, uh, my children and my daughter-in-laws. I mean, my my sons come to my chemos when my husband can't be there, uh, call, text. Um, They are um, often just with me on my hardest days. I have one son out of state who wishes he could be here, but my other sons, and I have memories of one of my first chemo treatments. I was on my knees because I had such the bone spasms that that occurred that I couldn't walk. And I was in my bedroom and almost like a praying position on the bed because it hurt so bad. And and both sons were there rubbing my back and my husband was there bringing. And and I'm so fortunate that they are so, um, they're close by. And that they are giving me the love and support uh, that I need. So I'm so grateful for that. My husband's extraordinary, right, um, with how um, how he's made me feel, even though there's been, you know, substantial hair loss and weight gain and not a feeling of being strong anymore, that he, he works every day to say, you look beautiful, mm. even when the wig's not on. And, mm. and, and, and that feels really good. Yeah. Um, my neighbors, when they found out... Um, 
grabbed a, a Team Rebecca logo and created hundreds of T-shirts in bright pink. And this was all a surprise. And before I knew it, there was a group of dozens and dozens of neighbors and friends on front yard with wearing these T-shirts. They created a barbecue for me. And, and then they gave me some of the money back from the T-shirts to, to help me buy my very first wig. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I am fortunate. There's soups and, and uh, foods um, dropped off at the doorstep. I'm, I'm, I'm so buoyed by them. Mm-hmm. I'm so buoyed by them. I'm so yeah. touched by them. And, and for my children, um, the very first thought at the scare of diagnosis of breast cancer was, um, I want to be there for my children. I also want to help my children through this. And they got involved and got educated and learned as much, too, so that they could also, when I'm afraid, or I would say, hey, I'm thinking about this kind of treatment, and I'm reading this thing at the new, in the New England Journal of Medicine. I would go to the Huntsman uh, Research Library and uh, trying to get as much information as I could yeah, yeah. Uh, so that I could be one of the decision makers uh, in my breast cancer. T- and they were part of that. Mom, I read this. What do you think? Mm. Um, and, and it just helps. It helps so much. And, and I love them so much. And, and um, I feel so blessed to have these children. And um, as a parent, you don't want to be someone who causes pain and trauma and fear in your children. That's counterintuitive, sure. too. So it's hard to, to know that my condition affects them uh, that way as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can totally understand that. Rebecca, you've always been a mentor to me in the radio industry and just as a human being because <laughs> you've always been so kind. Because I'm so old compared to no, you. No, <laughs> no, because you have always taken me under your wing, so to mm-hmm. speak, in this radio industry. Yes, me being uh, newer in the industry than you, not old, just newer in the <laughs> industry. You've always, like I said, taken me under your wing and helped me um, succeed. And I'm sure it is hard for you as someone who is that type of person to receive this type of love and care, but please receive it because it is your turn now <laughs> to get the love from other people because you've always done that for everyone else. Oh, you're so kind. And it is hard, isn't it? It, it, is, it makes you just feel, you know, someone will say, can I bring you this? Can I pay you for it? No, right? you can't. Please let me help you. And, right. and, and the truth is um, every little message Everything that someone does gives me strength and gives me hope. And um, and if I can help pass it on or pay it forward by saying to the mothers or fathers who are listening right now, um, the great gift you can give your family is the gift of you trying to fight through whatever challenge you have to get the treatments the best that you can because they need you. This world needs you. And so please get your mammograms and and in other areas of your life, make your health a priority. It's important and, and accept um, the strength and the love from people around you. And, and I thank you. Thank I, you, Lindsay. I love you, Rebecca. Thank you for sharing your journey with me today on The Mom Show. Get your it. mammograms. Get screened. The Utah Department of Health can help you with free mammos. Perfect. So go to FM100.com. You can get information about free mammograms And there. I love that the station has rallied behind you, too, oh. and KSL, too, to yeah. just make, Spread this, the yeah, make this information mm-hmm. easy for everyone to get. Thank you, Lindsay. Thanks, Rebecca. We'll be back next week on The Mom Show.